0: Welcome to the Hair Dryer Treatment Podcast, powered by Kevin Grogan Soccer, Soccer Coffee and much more. Welcome to the show this week. We're delighted to have Nico Zini with us. Nico grew up in Italy playing at a high level, then moved to America to get a scholarship in soccer And now is with FC Barcelona working in business development in the Americas. He's a really, really interesting guy and definitely worth a listen. So Nico will be in just after the break. Um, Hot topic this week is definitely Manchester United beating PSG. Um, It was the Manchester United of old. Um, Kind of the joke going around is uh, Fergie time because they did it so late with the penalty. Um, There just seems to be a great atmosphere and vibe around the club. And we've talked about it before that... You know, Oli Gunnar Solskar should really get the job at this stage. He's done a fantastic job. He has Mike Phelan in there with him as assistant manager. Mike, obviously, was Alex Ferguson's assistant manager and did a fantastic job during that period and has a lot of experience and also played for the club. So, between Mike Phelan and Oli Gunnar Solskar, they definitely know what the fabric of the club is and they've gone back to that kind of positive. Uh, style of football where people are playing with smiles on their faces and not fearing anyone and going out into games particularly like yesterday where they had a massive uphill struggle because they were two nil down and getting themselves back in the game and then keep going till the last minutes of the game they got the penalty and um, within the rules it was a penalty um but there may be you know a, a need for you know that rule to be changed in the sense of, you know, did he purposely handball the ball? Did he try and move his hand away from it? It's a very, very hard one. But within the rules, it's definitely a penalty. And then obviously Rashford, um, such a good temperament in terms of being so young, stepping up in such a big game and um, obviously slotting the penalty home. So it was excellent. So, um, you know, a fantastic time for Manchester United. They're back on track. Interesting to see what they do in the weekend. So after the break, we have a great interview with Nico Zini.
1: We may be the Chihuahua, you are an ostrich. Eggs. Dilly Din Dilly Dong, come on! But I want to be clear that I don't want to play mind
0: games. But I, I think it was an angry mind. I think he was disturbed for some reason or other. Honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Hello, hello. Nico, thank you for joining the show. We appreciate it. Um, why don't you start off by just talking a bit about where you grew up and your first memories of soccer?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, so I'm from Italy, uh, born and raised in Milano. Uh, big Inter fan. Um, I started playing soccer at the age of six. Uh, obviously, something very local and small. Uh, and then quickly moved up to AC Pavia uh, Youth academy youth system at the time AC Pavia was third division in Italy I played there when I was 16 17 18 uh did few benches with the with the first team few pre as well and then they loaned me out to fourth division at the time was semi-pro um I played semi-professional for three years um with almost 80 caps on uh, two different teams uh one was Voghera next to Milano, and the other one was uh, Tortona, uh, close to Turin, uh, hometown of Juventus. Um, and it w- they were great years. I mean, um, my passion was, uh, for soccer was immense, and I was a hard-working guy, always played on the flank, whether you know, right back or right wing, um, really enjoyed my time. Um, I had the opportunity to go professional um, after three years in the semi-pro leagues, um, I went to pre-season for Catanzaro, which at the time was third division. Um, unfortunately, it was the years of the financial crisis and the resources were, we, let's say, pulled out from from lower tiers of soccer in Italy. So I decided to move to the states uh, shortly after. And that was
0: that. Was that a big decision for you to come over to America, or was it was it something that you always aspired to do?
1: I gotta say, I, I love Italy, and who doesn't? Um, it came a bit unexpected, um, but I was the, once I got here, I think that's the moment in which I triggered and said, I want to stay here. Because from Italy, which is something that back then, it wasn't so accessible, but nobody knew about the potentiality, the potential of uh, going to school with a, with a scholarship, play football, play soccer. Um, I didn't know that. So when I moved here, obviously the first thing that a football player wants to do when he joins and, and, and comes to another country is to play to play soccer. So I started playing pickups um, uh, all around the city. And obviously I was a very good player. I was fit because I was coming out from, from my good years in Italy. So I was ready to play. And that's, I think, uh, when, when then we met uh, shortly, shortly after me and you. Um, and that's then the story of how I got into college. But it wasn't easy, obviously, because at the time I was 21 when I moved to the U.S. Um, but I got to say, I think it helped the fact that I moved to New York. I felt, I felt like it was home. Uh, it was more complicated, let's say, when I moved to Florida for my college. But I think we'll jump on the, to the next round.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do remember when you first started um, playing for me and you were a very lively fullback, um, very good on the ball, very athletic, and um, you were, it was great to have you on my team back then. Now, when you went into college, um, we always talk about the kind of work-soccer uh, kind of balance. How did you find that when you went to college in terms of balancing that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I received the, the full scholarship uh, in Florida, obviously for me it was a, was a new experience. Um, I was soon uh, entitled to be the captain of the team uh, of the small college in Florida. Unique experience, I got to say, and I recommend anybody that can undertake such an experience to do so. Um, I always been, like you said, very um, methodic, let's say, in my routine. I always prepared myself. I always been the guy that was running the most. That was taking care of the body. That was taking care of the mind. That was resting. Uh, I never did crazy things uh, while I was playing. Um, and so, to me, the most important thing when I when I went to college, first of all, I was not speaking English as good as probably I do now uh, because it was just after two, one year and a half, uh, almost two, that I moved to the United States. So for me, it was very important to be good academically, be good on the pitch and be good off the pitch. It's a balance that, that needs to be there, must be there if you want to achieve on all those different fields. So my day was very simple. It was just studying in the morning, resting before, before practice, give it all in practice. And then obviously when I had the opportunity, go into the gym, strengthen my body because obviously American football Is a bit different than European one, so it was very physical. Uh, So I I try to stay on top of my of my game. But I'd say that balancing the three is the most important thing. Managing your time uh, and nutrition has always been a big part for me.
0: Yeah, because a lot of kind of young kids that aspire that are American and aspire to go to college. You know, we always try and educate them on kind of the balance and all the things you mentioned there. There's a lot of distractions in college away from the academics. As sports, I know you 're there to play soccer, but ultimately you 're there to get a degree as well. you have to train there is a social scene, so it sounds like you were very on top of that in terms of your structure
1: yeah i was and and I gotta say it might have helped that I got to college a little later uh than the than the the regular kid uh, which enters eighteen nineteen I was a bit older, and I think I was very helpful to my other teammates uh, and and classmates um, I think it's very simple if you have the passion for the sports. Um, you want to perform on the field. Performing on the field meaning to have a very balanced life outside the field, a very good nutrition, a very good rest, which is one of the most important things. Obviously, you're in college, so uh, college life, it's a fun one. You need to maximize it, but that doesn't mean going crazy every week and going crazy every week because at the end of the day, you want to perform and the priority is to perform in the classroom, perform on the field for your college, for your university. So in order to do that, you got to be, Structure, you got to be consistent, you got to have that passion.
0: Now, was there repercussions if, say, a player kind of fell short on the academics? Was there punishment? Did you get kind of banned from training or matches? Uh, did they monitor that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for, I was playing NAIA, which is a bit different than the NCAA. Still a very good level, especially in Southern... It was
0: Warner was college. college?
1: The name of the college was Warner University um, out in Orlando. Um, the Southern California, uh, sorry, Southern Florida League is pretty good level, uh, but obviously they monitor you every you know, semester. You got to have your, your grades in, in line and in shape for, in order for you to, per, to perform and to be able to be on the pitch. Otherwise, either NIA could uh, stop you from playing a semester or the school itself, depending on school, on school policies and guidelines. Uh, But definitely classroom and grades must be on top of the game in order for you to be part of the game.
0: Now, in terms of the standard, you you had obviously come from a very, very high standard in Italy. And then you come into this kind of environment in New York in the Cosmopolitan League with myself And back then. It was with Lansdowne and we had a very good team. And then you went on, obviously, to college. How did you find a difference in standard or style of play from what you were used to in Italy?
1: That's a very good question Um, because there are plenty and it's not a matter of being better or being worse. It's simply different approaches, especially from a tactical, technical standpoint uh, and the physical as well. So I grew up in Italy in which the first thing that they teach to a right back is how you got to stay with the the defensive line, how you got to cut the run and et cetera, always be in line with your center back next to you. Um, you don't have to overlap all the time. You need to judge, you need to time, etc. Uh, so obviously everybody knows that Italians are very uh, defensive uh, in some, some cases. But we also know that Italian um, school and academies, they're very strong on tactics and on the shape, and the way you got to connect the, to, the, to the teammates next to you and to the overall team. When I moved to the United States, Cosmopolitan League, I think, was, was a great experience for me because it was very high level. And the, the most important thing was that everybody was going at full uh, in every game. Everybody was putting 120%. Um, I think is one of the, the uniqueness of the league is that it's a great pool of players from whether college or play that play professional. So the level wasn't that far. Um, obviously, you are in that point when maybe the, the fitness is not there anymore at the level you would want it to be because obviously people are working and etc. cetera. But the technical side, the tactical side, is still on top of the game. And, and I enjoy very much Cosmopolitan League. Um, in Florida, college level, bit different. Um, my frustration was most likely on the tactical side, let's say, because it's really tough to come out of an environment that was Italy and then move to New York, where, like I said, pretty much the level, the tactical level was there. The knowledge of the players was there, very high Q. Um, and going down to florida where you have all this diversity because kids coming from all over the world all over the background um american kids that played uh in in the states um and the tactical level was not there so one of my priority was to explain to them you know everybody's a bit of a coach when you play so you you gather that knowledge so the tactical side was the the most uh, let's say that that we needed to work on Players not understanding the type of run, not timing the runs, uh, not looking at the teammates, just going a bit too much uh, on the individual game. Um, so that was, the from a fitness standpoint, I think uh, we can we can't complain because everybody was super fit and the games were very, very uh, intense. Um, but definitely we can work on tactics at a youth level.
0: Yeah, I always say that sometimes uh, the youth in America are a bit overcoached. So by the time they get to college, they're nearly a tiny bit robotic and they don't express themselves enough where maybe where you grew up and where I grew up, there was an element of us understanding the game a bit better and having that ability to express ourselves on the pitch and make runs and make decisions ourselves.
1: Absolutely agree. Absolutely. And it's the freedom that then in Europe, they're very good to leave up to the player. So the decision-making is one of the most important things because it can, be, it can really be a game changer. If the two teams have you know, perfect tactics uh, in the 90 minutes, uh, probably the game will finish 0-0. But the brilliance of the player to make a decision, whether it's uh, in the defensive side or it's in the offensive side, can really be a game changer. Um, and players should have that freedom, but should also be coached to have that type of personality uh, in the sense that there, when it comes to clutch play, the moment in which you got to make a decision, take ownership of the decision and do what's best. You might be wrong. You might be right, but you will never regret the fact that you took the decision. Um, so I think that's a great point. And that's what what we need to keep working on the youth here in the United States because there is a huge potential.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it has got a lot better. There's a lot of great coaches here and a lot of talented players, as you know yourself. And I think as the years go on, it is evolving. Just to go back to your upbringing, um, in terms of, you know, the the highest level, um, in Italy, and you talked about being an Inter fan. What are your memories growing up and, and watching, you know, the Serie A on TV and, and the level of, of that competition?
1: Um, well, uh, I grew up, I had the luck to to grow up in Milano. And one of my first time at San Siro was uh, when actually Ronaldo, uh, the real one, like we say, uh, was playing for Inter. Um, it was just, you know, the perfect time for for Syria I was probably Syria was what the Premier League is is today has been in the last five years. Uh, it was just the peak. Everybody wanted to be in the Italian football. I uh, remember AC Milan, Juventus, Inter Milan, Roma, Lazio, Parma. There are so many teams with such quality players. And and I got I got close to football because my my uncle used to take me to the stadium to watch Inter Milan. I fell in love with it. Recently, after I started playing, and obviously when you have a player in your favorite team like Javier Zanetti, uh, which for me is still one of the best right back that I ever see playing, um, I just wanted to be like him. Um, So, you know, football players can be good role models and can be bad role models. models, But I had the luck to have one of the best role models because I was aspiring to be Javier Zanetti. Um, And I think Serie A level uh, unfortunately dropped. Uh, consequence of uh, many factors, um, which obviously would, would take another another conversation. Uh, but I think yeah. he's he's coming back. I think Ronaldo moving to Italy, even though in the the latest stage of his career, will help the attention, the media, and somehow the revenue, which at the end of the day, it's very important for for a league to be at the top. Um, on the other hand, I'm a big fan of the Premier League. I think is a great football to watch. Um, they're doing a great products for for international markets, and I think we live in the era in which uh, the content uh, is uh, super good, and, and with a Champions League as well, the level of players, it's unbelievable. Um, so we, we got to you know say that we are very lucky. I was very lucky back then when I started following Syria, and I'm very lucky now because I'm able to see a lot of great players.
0: And just talking about the Ronaldos, they're obviously the current Ronaldo, one of the best players in the world, arguably one of the best players ever. But the, the, the real Ronaldo, as we call him, um, the original, how good was he? Because I think people forget and ne- nearly underestimate how amazing he was.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's something that um, if, you, if you like football, but you're part of the new generations that grew up with the, with the Messi and, and the Ronaldo Cristiano, uh, please take some time to go watch the YouTube videos when Ronaldo, Zidane, they were in their prime. I remember watching it live from San ciro The guy looked like he was coming from another planet, honestly. it's The the ability to, to perform certain technical skill had the highest speed that probably at that time we have ever saw in a player. He was just unbelievable. He had the capability to take a player left or right to finish with the left or with the right, the ability to turn with the shoulder back at the at the goal and just flip the players, and it was unbelievable. I was uh, uh, I remember seeing the 1998 uh, uh, UEFA uh, final played in Paris um, against Lazio, which was a final all Italian. Lazio at the time had great players like Mancini, Veron, barronaldo Ronaldo just took the team over on his shoulder and performed one of the greatest performances i ever seen. Um, I'm an Inter fan, so for me, the game was special. Uh, but his, his skill and his speed combined was something that I don't think I've seen it in, in the players nowadays either. It was probably different because at the time, he was such a natural athlete. Nowadays, athletes and, and soccer players tend to be more uh, physical, more faster. Obviously, the game is evolving but at the time he was a unique uh, a unique player and uh, and the ability to perform at that speed uh, he was never seen before. I never seen him before
0: yeah he was very much natural because the you know the training methods weren't as advanced back then, and he was just a machine of a player with all the attributes you talked about so moving forward um you're now back in new York you're head of business development for the americas for f c Barcelona, which is a Fantastic position to be in. Just talk a bit about that and what your kind of day to day is.
1: Yeah, just to for 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 the people that are listening, uh, the switch uh, back to New York. I wanted to come back to New York very very bad, and uh, I applied to NYU. So I did my master in sports business at NYU Great School uh, in the heart of New York City. And after that, I had the luck that FC Barcelona was opening um, the office here in, in New York for uh, for obviously commercial purposes and marketing purposes for the Americas. So I joined shortly after as an intern. I finished my master and then they hired me. And then I had the luck in two years to move up uh, to the position that I am now, um, head of business development, like you said. My day-to-day is basically purely um, commercial. But obviously when we talk about commercial related to sports, I think there is nothing <laughs> better in the sense that we combine the best of the two worlds. What I'm in charge is basically partnership um, with companies, with entities that wants to maximize football as a marketing platform. So it's a very niche-specific market. A lot of people don't know. Uh, but commercial revenues are basically combined with ticketing, combined with the broadcasting. Uh, it's one of the three top revenue uh, from... Um, four clubs in Europe. It's slightly different than American sports. Uh, European football has a totally different structure. Uh, FC Barcelona is probably top three uh, platform in global sports um, in the world, Um, along the side with your beloved Manchester United, which they always done an amazing job in terms of commercial, and our biggest rival, Real Madrid. My day-to-day is very diverse. Uh, Every day is a bit different. Um, we have two main businesses. One is to go after uh, new prospects and new companies in the market, uh, whether it's the United States, whether it's Mexico, whether it's Brazil, whether it's Canada. Uh, we cover the entire Americas. And the other side of the business is to take care of current partner. Um, we have a few American partners. Uh, for FCA Barcelona, one that everybody knows, and it's a great brand. It's Nike. The other one is Gatorade. We are partnered with Stanley Black & Decker, which is a massive tools corporation, and as well as Scotia Bank, which is an important Canadian bank. So with them, what we do is we develop strategies around games, around marketing campaign, around digital campaign to maximize their messages, their objectives. Um, The job has some perks because I get to travel a lot uh, to Barcelona. So I have been to many games and, and it's amazing for me to to be able to go back to Europe with my job, but at the same time to travel around the Americas and go see the properties that we have. See Barcelona, as you said, is one of the top clubs for developing the youth. So we have 43 academies all around the world. Uh, We collaborate with more than 140,000 kids. Um, And in the Americas, obviously, we have uh, almost 20 schools spread around, almost six in the United States.
0: Recently set one up in New York.
1: We have an academy ongoing in Long Island, um, a bit far, far away, Uh, but uh, it's a great project. It's going to be 11 fields when it's completed. We currently have 500 500 kids. Um, So my position is good because you get to see a little bit of all the projects that we have, whether it's uh, sporting, youth, marketing, or commercial. I'm always involved. The office is is quite small. We grew to 10 people now, Um, so we get to do a little bit of everything. Uh, which is great, and obviously we we get to talk about football every day, which is what i love
0: brilliant and i can 't have an Italian on and not talk about pasta and it 's something i 'm very passionate about talk to me, <laughs> talk, talk to me about, about um, you know the differences of growing up in Italy and eating pasta compared to America because and um, we get a lot of fake food over here. What is the difference
1: well it 's an important difference, and like i said when i when I went to college probably i 'm going to give you a couple of uh, anecdotes but um, <laughs> when I went to college it was the first uh, issue for me was was the food um, so when you grow up in Italy obviously pasta is on the menu every single day um, and I like to say to kids uh, here in America it is not a bad thing uh, if you are athletic if you want to be in sports uh, pasta is one of the best fuel that you can get um, no matter where you play or what level you play in Italy before the game You have plain pasta with olive oil or pasta with tomato sauce. And then you have some prosciutto and some parmigiano, which you might think, that's amazing. But that's on the regular basis for every athlete from Syria till the fifth division. That's what we eat uh, before games. And I grew up that my nutrition in Italy from when I was 10 till I was 21 and played semi-pro was always the same was pasta, was prosciutto, was very lean meat, uh, a lot of veggies, and that's very important, Um, and I got to thank, obviously, our culture, the Italian culture, because at the age of almost 30 next week, um, I still look good, and I still have pasta on my menu, not every day now, because obviously, I don't train as much as before, but it's a very important fuel, and when I moved to Florida, that was the biggest challenge, so the food in the cafeteria in the, in the restaurants around college was was very different, um, full of fats, stuff that they don't go well if you want to perform on the field. So what I, I, what I started doing, I started to cook um, for the entire team. So we had the dinners and lunch at my place. I just was just making pasta for everybody. Um, I gotta say their performance increased. I don't know if it was due to the pasta or the other reason um but nutrition is fundamental and um i encourage all the kids nowadays to 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 read more to learn more about nutrition because there is a very very close correlation with your performance on the field um uh, don't be scared about carbs don't be scared about pasta because that's what's fool you and that's what you going to help you on the field so um pasta pasta pasta
0: yeah, 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 Nico. We're running out of time now, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, and I'm so happy that you're doing so well for yourself. It was a real pleasure for me to coach you, um, all those years ago. We've kept in touch, so um, we'll definitely get you back on the show sometime.
1: Absolutely, Kevin. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me. Always a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Bye.
1: Bye.